0: But have you ever wondered if the Messiah has come, then why doesn't the world look more like the kingdom of God? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever uh, asked yourself, or maybe you've heard other people around you ask, if Christianity has been around for 2,000 years, why isn't the world more Christian? Why this gap between the promise? and the results? Why the distance between what I had hoped for in my life and what I have received? Those are honest, tough questions to ask during the season of Advent. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, and this we proclaim every Christmas, right? And yet we proclaim this in a world where there are still Herods in it, a world that's still filled with suffering and pain. In death and wars and rumors of wars, sickness abounding, this world is still very dark. So if you are aware of the gap between what's promised at Christmas and the way the world is, and you've asked the hard question, well, where is God in all this? Now you know why the early church prayed, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now you know why they sang, Christ has come, Christ will come again. That's why they remembered what Jesus said about his return at the end of the age and why the scripture was, why they were so careful to record it. For you see, Jesus Christ is not yet finished with this world. He will come again to finally set things aright. He is coming in the end to completely fix what's been broken. He will come again in glory. That has always been the faith of the Christian church. Contrary to ancient Israel's expectation, the Messiah came the first time not with power and judgment as a conquering hero, but He came in all humility and gentle love as a baby lying in a manger. And in doing so, God invaded this world in a quiet, unassuming way so as to win human hearts. With the first coming of Christ, the fix was in. The kingdom of God had come in Jesus, and the kingdom has been growing ever since, as Christ extends His rule over human hearts one by one. But, He is not done. A day is coming when He shall return in power to destroy sin and death once and for all. A day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We Christians, therefore, live in the tension between His first coming and His second coming. This is a waiting time for us. We await Christ's return with patience and hope, with certain hope. We look for Him to come again, singing the words of the Advent hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And we, we, we wait, remembering the truth of uh, lamentations. God, if you could just put that, uh, I told you wrong, but Lamentations. We remember this truth during this season. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's a time of waiting. Our New Testament scripture lesson this morning answers two Advent questions When will Jesus return? And what do we do in the meantime? So, let's uh, listen to Jesus' teaching as it comes from the Gospel of Mark with reference to His return, at the end of time. Jesus says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert, you do not know when that time will come. Watch. So it's pretty clear that when it comes to uh, waiting for the second coming, we are not to speculate as to when that might be. We just don't know. No one knows. In fact, that fact is underscored three times in the passage we just read. Of that day, no one knows. You do not know when that time will come. You do not know when the owner of the house will return. And yet there's always been those who were just sure they knew when? There have always been those who have been obsessed with drawing up timetables. Of more recent memory, perhaps you remember this, there was a fellow by the name of Harold Camping who was a California, California Christian radio broadcaster who used biblical numerology to establish the precise date of Christ's return. His prediction caught the attention of general media, which is why I know about this and probably why you might remember hearing about this. It wasn't too long ago. And basically, the general media was making fun of him. But Camping put up billboards saying Jesus would return on May 21st, 2011. And the billboards depicted three wise men riding camels led by the star of Bethlehem and included the words, He is coming again, and then the May 21st date. Of course, when May 21st passed, he had to issue a humble apology, said he was wrong, and then he reset the date to October, a day in October of that year. And uh, as it turns out, he confessed his sin and has given up making predictions now for good, which is good. But this is just one example of many who have been predicting, you know, Christ's return ever since Jesus was here on earth. Years ago, just about every church received a little booklet entitled, 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 1988. Uh, and in fact, I've got it. I saved it. I've, I've got it somewhere. <laughs> I've got to dig it out. But the booklet is amazing in its detail, and it carefully calculates that Christ would come at the Feast of Rosh Hashanah during a weekend in September, 1988. And I read later that when it was pointed out to the author, the Bible tells us quite clearly that we do not know the day or the hour, the response simply was, well, we may not know the day or the hour, but that doesn't mean we don't know the year and the month and the week. (laughs) (laughs) For the life of me, I don't understand why some people think they know more than Jesus. I really don't. He says, I don't even know. Not even the angels know. I don't know. So, we're not to speculate. In other words, don't worry about it, in case you were. But the text does say that somebody knows, and that somebody is the Father. The word Father is used here, Abba, and that's a very comforting thought, actually, because God is of the nature of the most amazing, loving Father you can imagine. Father knows best. And because of who He is, we can trust His wisdom and His timing. He does know what is best for His children. So you and I are called to wait for His eventual return in faith and in certain hope. God knows what God is doing. Wait, He says. But we are also called to watch. Jesus tells a parable, story of the master who left home, went away on a trip, and he leaves his servants with work to do and assigns only the doorkeeper with the task of watching, which is really to say to be watchful, to watch is to work. It's to be faithful to do what God has called us to do. We're not to engage in idle speculation about the future, sitting around and guessing when the master may return, but rather we are to feed the hungry, visit the sick, house the homeless, befriend the stranger, give give our enemy a cup of cold water, and love our neighbor. That's what you and I are supposed to do. To watch is to work. There's an old Jewish rabbinic saying that's instructive in this regard. The saying goes like this. If you're planting a tree and you hear that the Messiah has come, finish planting the tree, then go and inquire. It kind of fits with what Jesus is saying here about watching having to do with working. You don't know when the master will return. Nobody knows. In fact, there have been many predictions over the centuries, and they've all been proven wrong. Just keep working keep being faithful, do the work of the Lord, keep planting, keep building, and watch. And there really is a sense in which you and I should, should live each day as though it were our last. You, should, you and I should live each day as though Christ was going to come back at any moment. And then there's that question you know, we need to ask, you know, if Christ were to come back, what would he find us doing? Martin Luther said, "We are to believe and live and love and work as though Jesus Christ died yesterday, rose today, and is coming tomorrow." And you know, if we really did that, we would live with a great sense of urgency. We would do the things that mattered most. We would make it our chief aim to please the Master. We would do what He wants us to do. So the way to watch and to be ready for the Lord's return is to be busy about the Lord's business. Advent is a season of waiting and watching. Watch, says Jesus. But it occurred to me that perhaps watching means something else also. Maybe watching isn't so much about what we're supposed to do as much as about what God is going to do, what God is about to do. Maybe we are to watch in the sense of, watch this, the way a magician will capture our attention, pulling something up his sleeve, and then goes on to do something absolutely dazzling something that you would never expect to happen, not in this world. Maybe the word watch also carries a sense of, watch this. You ain't seen nothing yet. You think the baby in the manger was something. Well, watch this. What I say to you, I say to all. You just watch. Jesus Christ is coming again. Glory be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, how glad we are that You came into this world in Jesus. Your kingdom is growing. We but need to have eyes to see the transformation that is being wrought But we do look forward to that time when finally evil will be conquered, evil will be vanquished, and all will be all in you. You will have fulfilled your purpose for us and for this world. We're glad to be on the winning side, that you will win in the end. In the meantime, Lord, as we live in the tension between your first coming and your second coming, help us to be faithful. Help us to be alert, to be on guard, not knowing exactly when you might return. But we pray, Lord, that we would not be found sleeping when you come back. May we watch, watch, may we wait. Your return is certain. To you, indeed, be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.